Welcome to Body Signals, a Cygnos podcast. I'm your host, Bill Tanser, Chief Data Scientist here at Cygnos. This is Season 2, Episode 11, How to Become a Glucose Detective. And Ask Me Anything with Cygnos Metabolic Coach and Registered Dietitian, Alyssa Wilson. On today's episode, we answer questions submitted by Cygnos members. We'll be addressing queries like, why do I spike on sugar substitutes? What is carb cycling and is it good for you? The difference between good and bad glucose spikes. And what's the optimal strategy for glucose levels for losing weight? The answers to these questions, plus many more, coming up next. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Body Signals. I am so excited to have Alyssa Wilson with us today. Alyssa is a registered and licensed dietitian. She holds a Master's of Science in Nutrition from Georgia State University and a Bachelor's of Science in Exercise and Sports Science from the University of Georgia. Alyssa has experience working as a nutrition coach at a major gym in corporate wellness and with food companies, and we're so proud that she currently works with us as a metabolic success coach at Cygnos. So Alyssa, welcome to Body Signals. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I just brewed a fresh pot of coffee. Um, I don't know if I talk about this much on uh, Body Signals, but I am a home roaster, so I roast my own coffee. I like to go deep into things. So it wasn't enough just to like coffee and then to like find the best coffee. Now I'm actually roasting the coffee and brewing it. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Enjoy this great cup of coffee. And today, it's probably one of my favorite kind of episodes. We're going to do an Ask Me Anything, an AMA. We posted on our private Facebook group. We have a private group for members of Cygnos. And we asked them what questions that they had about using Cygnos. And we got so many responses, we decided to actually break this episode into two. So we got some that were more medical science related. We're going to give those to Dr. Dixon. He's going to be coming up on our next episode. But for this episode, we wanted you to tackle some of the diet and nutrition questions and some of the more general questions you get a lot as a metabolic success coach. So without further ado, let's launch right in to some of those questions. Awesome. The absolute first question we got, and I'm chomping at the bit to actually answer this too, but, uh, of course, you're the expert being the registered dietitian. So um, I want to ask you about this question that a, a member, a Cygnos member had posed, which is, why do some people spike on stevia and or monk fruit? Yeah, that was a great question. I noticed that question came in right away. So, um, yeah. So stevia and monk fruit are, you know, both sweeteners. They're derived from plants and they typically do not have an effect on our glucose and our insulin levels. But, you know, just keeping in mind and thinking about all the sugar substitutes out there and all the um, types of sugar out there, there's hundreds of, names, hundreds of names for them. We have table sugar, high fructose corn syrup, evaporated, you know, cane juice and all of these. Um, and surprisingly, these types of sugars like dextrose are added into the um, into these natural sweeteners like stevia and monk fruit. So if you're looking at the ingredients, you know, you buy, let's say, you know, a stevia sweetener and you just take it off the shelf and you flip it over and you read the ingredients. The first ingredient on some of these is dextrose. And so that is most likely why 
we can see spice of these. And I've seen these in both stevia and in monk fruit. That's a great answer. And I was actually victim to that particular scenario. So right after joining Cygnus, I went out and I bought some monk fruit. And I just trusted what was on the front of the package. Uh, I didn't think I needed to go look at the nutrition label and look specifically at the ingredients. So I took it home. I made um, flaxseed mug muffin that I was making and decided to sweeten it up with this monk fruit. And sure enough, I had like a pretty decent spike. And I thought, ah, something's wrong here. I did it again. It wasn't until like the third time I decided to flip that package over and read it. And I should have known this. I mean, here I am, chief data scientist here at Cygnos, and I missed that dextrose was the number one ingredient in this particular sugar substitute. I'm using in air quotes for those of you who are listening. Um, It was really sugar with a sugar substitute. And, And you're right. There are so many different names for sugar. Some people might not know that dextrose is Sugar. It's what we use in the OGTTs. I mean, I think one of the primary ingredients in that glucose drink when you do an uh, oral glucose tolerance test is dextrose. So, of course, it's going to make you spike. Exactly. And so, like, on top of that dextrose, you know, first of all, the, these packages, whether it's monk fruit or stevia, the marketing is going to make you think that it's super healthy. You know, that's why you always have to be that detective and read the ingredients, but you may notice something like maltodextrin in there, which is like any type of filler or additive that's made from rice, potatoes, or corn. So that could be causing it. Um, and then really also, you know, what are you adding these sweeteners to? You know, if you're if you're using these sweeteners and you're making, you know, cupcakes or something like that, then yes, you're still having a cupcake that could definitely cause a spike. But if you're, you know, let's say you're nicely brewed coffee this morning, if you're adding a little bit of stevia, you know, if you're looking at the back of the package and you're reading the ingredients list, you want to look for something that says pure stevia extract or pure monk food extract, you know, that should be the main ingredient. And if you're adding it to your coffee, you know, that should not cause a spike. But again, if it has dextrose, maltodextrin, or if you're adding it to something like, you know, you're baking some donuts or something that may cause a spike. Absolutely. I I decided to go deep into the research on this. So I'm familiar with things like the cephalic phase response or cephalic insulin response uh, or cephalic insulin phase response, I should say. And I was wondering if there were any theories or hypotheses out there about uh, that same thing with just the sugar component or the glycemic response. Found a hypothesis. There's little to no data on this, but there are some people that have hypothesized with uh, sugar substitutes that something might be so sweet that you go through a cephalic insulin response. So your brain sends the signal to your pancreas, release insulin, something sweet's coming. Your glucose then, of course, dips because of that insulin release. Maybe some people say you have a reactive hypoglycemia. You go really deep and then you rebound. Your liver starts releasing glycogen, causing a spike. That seems a little bit far-fetched. But I guess anything's possible, so it could be that, right? And I think probably more likely is what are you putting it in? So if I have a cup of flour, white flour, with that uh, monk fruit extract that I'm using as a sweetener, I'm probably going to spike. It's, right. It could very well be related to something else in what I'm eating. 
And as we'll get to in a, in a question that's coming up shortly, there might be some other things that are causing uh, a glucose spike. It's not always exogenous foods or things that you're eating that cause a spike. There are a number of other things, which is why it's so fun to play detective with your CGM and with your Cygnus app. So let's go on to the next question. Okay. One of our users had asked, after hard workouts, I can eat just about anything and my glucose doesn't go up. Why is that? Yeah, that is a great question. And this is something that we get a lot, um, you know, when our members are exercising and they're logging exercising and they're looking at their results in the app, um, you know, we'll get into this you know, a little bit later when we talk about spikes, but, you know, when you're exercising, you may have a spike and afterwards that um, you may be a little bit more carb tolerant because you're depleting those glycogen stores. So when you think about the goals of post-exercise nutrition, you know, we want to help with muscle recovery. We want to increase protein synthesis and decrease protein breakdown. And we want to replenish those glycogen stores that get depleted during that workout. Um, so we really want to aim to eat, you know, within two hours of the workout. And like this one member was saying, they can eat anything. Um, that's because they're taking that glucose and, you know, replenishing those glycogen stores. But there are a couple things I want to talk about here. Now, just because, you know, we're more carb tolerant, you know, after we work out, that doesn't mean that we want to go ahead and just eat foods that are, you know, not healthy for our bodies. You know, we really want to be making sure that we're, you know, eating nutrient dense foods to really prepare our body to reduce soreness, to improve our immune function, to improve insulin sensitivity, to help with fat burning and really just help, you know, refuel that exercise. So, you know, when we talk about post-workout nutrition, we want to make sure that we're eating, you know, in that rest and digest mode so we can like properly you know, digest and absorb those foods. We wait till our heart rate to come down. And then we want to focus on high quality foods like protein, you know, whether it's yogurt, eggs, whey, you know, healthy fats like avocados, nut butters, and carbs, including vegetables and those starchy veggies like potatoes, grains, quinoas, oats, if those work for you. So we really want to focus on providing that nutrient dense foods. And then I know that um, this may be something you know, our members are wondering too, when we talk about, you know, you can eat anything after the workout, but we don't want to use that exercise, you know, as a punishment and, you know, having and focusing on that food post-exercise as a reward, you know, I, I'm guilty of that. I, I'm definitely guilty of that in the early days. I don't do that anymore, yeah. but I'm so glad you mentioned that because it really, it sets up psychologically, I think, the bad setup if you're trying to lose weight because I continue to think of uh, food not as fuel for my body but as as a reward for something. Yeah. And I, I, I still negatively view exercise as something I have to get through to get my reward. Yeah. And it takes away from the enjoyment of food and mindful and intuitive eating. And, you know, it really shifts into saying like, this food is good. You know, I can, you know, my body may be able to tolerate, you know, a donut. Like I keep referring to a donut, but I'm thinking of like something that someone wants to, you know, the, the members said pancakes, chips, sweet potatoes, you know, 
well, sweet potatoes, you know, are healthy. And I, th- I don't want to put any food as good or bad, but, you know, I don't want our members to use exercise as, you know, a punishment and then saying like, I can only reward myself with food. You know, you should be able to incorporate these foods into your lifestyle. Um, but getting away from categorizing foods as a good or bad and like really focusing on a positive, healthy relationship from food with food. Along with this question, I think the uh, the user who posted this question also asked, you know, I, I see some people um, spike with exercise, some people don't spike with exercise. So maybe let's just take a second step back and talk about what's actually happening. So in your body, you've got um, sugars formed uh, stored as glycogen in your liver, and you also have glycogen stored in your muscles. And as you exercise, a couple things could happen. If you're doing an exercise that's relatively light, it's possible that your glucose is just going to steadily decrease over the course of that exercise. And that's because your body is burning some of that circulating blood sugar. It's also possible if you have a, a moderate to hard workout, you could see a spike. And what's happening is that you're actually seeing the liver releasing glycogen stores into the bloodstream to help fuel those muscles, to help give you energy, to get through that exercise. A lot of our members are wondering how they can avoid that. I don't think that's something to avoid, correct? It's it's just your body adapting to what you're trying to do. Exactly. You know, you'll see a spike with more intense exercise, just like you mentioned. Um, And then, you know, with more of that steady state cardio, we typically see like, you know, glucose being stable or maybe decrease a little bit. But that spike is basically because the demand during the exercise is higher than what's available. And like you mentioned, glycogen is being broken down. And that's a good thing because that those muscles will soak that glucose up without the release of insulin. So this is a different spike than eating, you know, something that's going to spike your blood sugar where insulin's released to get that sugar out of the bloodstream into the cells. Um, so this is a beneficial spike and it's just a natural response. Um, and you may notice that spike during exercise, but it'll come down and you'll see that, you know, you may have lower levels for many hours after exercise and then, you know, more stable readings throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. And and then getting to that fueling strategy afterwards. So now having worn Cygnos for over two years now, when I do exercise, I can tell actually when I've depleted my glycogen stores. And so post-exercise, I think about some healthy fruits that I can eat to replenish some of that glycogen. So having a banana, having some berries uh, versus um, having something very sugary or sweet that you may not see a spike, but you want to get in the habit of fueling your body with um, with whole foods, with things that contain more than just sugar, that have natural sugars, but also contain fiber and other nutrients for our body. Yeah. And this is the perfect time to really experiment with like some of those starchy vegetables, whether it's, you know, potatoes, sweet potatoes, plantains, any type of you know, grain, like whole grains or, you know, oats, quinoa, things like that. Like that's, this is a really good time to experiment. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we don't want to just quickly rush right after our workout and just go ahead and like gulf down that meal or drink that protein shake really quickly. You know, we want to sit down, we want to relax, we want to get into like a proper state to where we can digest this food and metabolize it effectively. So that's when, you know, we really want to make sure that we're enjoying the meal, not treating it as a reward. And, um, you know, our body's more carb carb tolerant. So that's when you can experiment with some of those, you know, starchier, higher, you know, glycine or higher carb foods. 
Yes, absolutely. And I hope that all of our our listeners also start to think of exercise as the reward itself. I know I have. It's like when I uh, now when I have a stressful day, the first thing I do is either go for a hike or get on the treadmill or get on the rower. And I've gotten to the point where it's no longer a um, it's no longer a punishment. It's actually the reward in, in and of itself, which. I love that 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 switch has happened, and I I hope that all of our listeners get to experience that switch as well. Yeah, like shifting away from non food rewards. You know, think about right. new exercise clothes, new shoes, massage, just you know, enjoying a nice cup of tea, like just anything that is, you know, reward yourself that way versus using food as reward. That's really setting up for like an, an unhealthy relationship with food. Absolutely, or a good cup of coffee. Or yes, exactly, a good cup okay. of coffee. <laughs> So here's a great question. We haven't gotten this one before, and I was excited to hear your response to this. So one of our members asked, what is your opinion of carb cycling? Ah, yes. Okay. Another good question. And, you know, there isn't a ton of evidence out here, out there on carb cycling, but um, it is very popular. So carb cycling is basically manipulating the amount of carbs you're eating. You know, people use it you know, as a tool to improve their performance. Um, Like you mentioned with exercise and, you know, using those glycogen stores, it's tough for some people to, you know, eat a low carb and, you know, perform high intensity workouts. Um, Some people use carb cycling for weight loss, um, for balancing hormones. When we think about our thyroid hormone, um, you know, we need carbs to convert T4, which is your unusable thyroid hormone to T3, which is more of our active thyroid hormone. Um, some people use carb cycling to prevent adrenal dysfunction when we think about cortisol. Um, so again, there aren't as many controlled studies, but I always think about this as an individualized approach and kind of seeing what works for you and always working with a professional um, or a dietitian. So there's several ways to carb cycle, and I'm sure you've seen this when you kind of started looking into it. Yeah, I, I did. And I have to say, before I got this question on the Facebook group, I had only heard it from the uh, the keto camp. And, and we have all sorts of people that come to us. You know, they can, they can be on keto or paleo or whole foods, vegan, carnivore. We're agnostic to all that. We try and help you regardless of what uh, diet, if you are on one, uh, but I, I had heard this from the keto group that they would be on keto for a long period of time, avoiding carbs, of course. And I had heard some people saying that they were now switching from just doing keto to carb cycling, meaning they were putting more carbs in their diet on certain days. I had no idea when I um, started doing some research on this, just all of the different ways that people are thinking of cycling carbs into their diet and as you said, I looked for research on this topic, and it's relatively new, so there's not a ton of research to tell us if this is good or bad. Yeah. I would just add, to use good sense, use uh, Cygnos, use your glucose graph. If you want to add carbs back into your diet, and let's say you've been doing keto for a while, you can find carbs that are gentle on your system. Experiment with Cygnos and try different things. Maybe sweet potatoes work better for you uh, than uh, some other carbohydrate. Maybe experiment with resistant starch. We did a whole episode on this. Um, and I know Thomas DeLauer, who is on our show, just did a video on resistant starches and just how beneficial they are for the body. So taking some potatoes or sweet potatoes, chilling them overnight and having them maybe as a potato salad with some some other healthy ingredients within the, the recipe. But there's so much you can do 
if you want to add carbs back in rather than just saying, I'm going to add carbs. So let's, let's see if we can find carbs that actually work with your body uh, using your glucose graph. Yeah. And it, this is more of like a strategic way of doing it. Like you mentioned, for those who have been on keto or want to add some carbs back, you know, maybe they're going to start adding carbs around the time of, you know, their higher intensity workouts versus, you know, recover or rest days. Um, you know, there's other ways of doing it where people have high, maybe they have, you know, 200 grams of carbs that day, a moderate day, maybe a hundred grams and lower carb days, which they'll have less than 50 grams. And they'll, you know, alternate those days. Um, some people will do, you know, six low carb days and then one high carb day. And, you know, there's even women who cycle carbs um, during the time of their cycle. So, you know, to help support healthy, healthy menstrual cycles and healthy hormones, maybe they're, you know, adding more carbs, you know, during the luteal phase and during the beginning of their cycle. But, um, you know, when we think about adding those carbs back in, most people are really doing it around the time of their workouts. So again, on those higher intensity workout days, you know, they're having higher carbs that day while on their rest, the recovery days, they're shifting to lower carbs where, you know, they're getting their body more into fat burning. Um, so again, it's all a type of experiment. And, you know, that's really the beauty of the CGM is seeing like how you respond, what works best for you. How do you feel? How do you feel during these workouts? How do you feel during the rest of the day? Um, so it's really just an experimentation. Absolutely. And I, I'm really interested in this topic. I'm going to do some more research and maybe we'll get a, a, a guest that specializes in this particular topic. I know on Cygnus, I've gone from a weight loss journey and I lost my weight. Now I'm more into a performance journey where I'm starting to do some endurance sports. And I think that I might be able to benefit. I might be able to increase my performance if I can add uh, carbs in the right way in a timing that works with my body and helps with a specific event. Like if I'm going to do a half marathon, uh, this, I think it's, it's a fascinating topic. And I know that Cygnos can give me a ton of insight when I go down this path. So we're, we're going to try and see if we can book somebody to talk more about this, but I think your insight's wonderful. So now we, we touched on this. But uh, this is one of probably the most recurrent questions if you go through all the questions that people submitted. And they submitted a ton. Good versus bad glucose spikes. wonder if you could just add some insight there. Yes. Okay. This is such a great topic. And like you said, probably the one thing we hear all the time, especially, you know, like we mentioned that exercise spike, we already talked about that, but when our members see that spike after an intense workout, they kind of, you know, they're shocked. They're like, Whoa, I did not know that, you know, I was going to spike and they get kind of nervous, but that is a good spike. You know, that's not the same as eating a piece of birthday cake. Um, so we talked about the exercise spike, um, one other thing that our members have seen, I've seen myself personally, is that um, I've noticed a spike with either like a hot shower or a sauna, or some people notice a spike with cold therapy. Um, so there's a couple of, you know, a couple of reasons why this could be. Um, it could be due to, you know, mimicking exercise where, you know, your increased heart rate, your body's working harder, maybe cortisol increases. Um, and you'll see a spike where the muscles take in that glucose without needing insulin, like we mentioned with the exercise spike. Um, if you're sweating or you're dehydrated, you know, it could also be a spike because, you know, due to not as much water in the bloodstream. And again, that's a positive spike. But 
It's also could be caused just by the sensor being affected by the heat or the cold, because, you know, typically we would see that vasodilation, which should, you know, positively affect glucose metabolism, increase sensitivity and cause a drop in glucose. Um, but if you do see that spike during exercise or, you know, or sorry, during a sauna or shower or um, cold therapy, it should return back to normal shortly after. And, you know, it's not going to be like a significant spike, you know, so it won't be particularly really high or take a long time to come back to baseline. Um, so that would be an example of, you know, a good spike. Great. And just to clarify, maybe you could, we could talk a little bit about what actually happens to that circulating glucose. So let's say it's an exercise related spike. Yeah. So when we're having an exercise spike, for example, you know, liver's being, glycogen's being broken down, being released into the bloodstream is glucose. And so our bodies need that. Like that is a sign saying like, we need that glucose for the demand of this workout. So basically the muscles are taking in that glucose and using that as energy. So this is an insulin, this is an insulin mediated spike to where like insulin's being released. It's taking, you know, insulin bringing, it's taking that glucose out of the bloodstream, bring it into the cells. Like the muscles are immediately using that. And like, this could be the same thing, like with that, you know, shower or sauna or cold therapy, but most likely it may be, if, you know, the sensor being affected by the, the heat or the cold, or, um, you know, may not be a spike to where like our muscles are going to take that up like immediately. It may just be like a pretty non-significant spike. Right. So to give an example, if I go on my treadmill and I do um, an anaerobic workout, so I'm doing intervals and I'm running really fast and I have a glucose spike not related to anything I eat, at the end of that workout, my, my liver and my muscles are probably going to, um, to take in some of that, that circulating glucose Right. to either replenish what's been lost in the muscles or if there's still some left over, go back into the liver, correct? Yeah, because, you know, we store glycogen in both our liver and our muscles. So yes. so we can store that there. You know, that's, yes. not, that's not where, you know, our liver glycogen, our muscle glycogen, you know, the levels are full, you know, so, so that's full to where, like, where are we going to put that excess glucose? You know, we have we have limited storage as glycogen in the liver muscles. But when we think about fat cells, we have unlimited storage. That's why we can see, you know, gain, increasing weight and gaining fat cells. So when the glycogen storage is full, that excess glucose can be stored as fat. Um, but, you know, we're, we're replenishing those glycogen stores um, in, in those instances. Yes. And fun fact, I, I was doing some research on this and I, um, I understand now, correct me if this is, if this is right, but the liver, it can go both ways. So your liver can take in uh, glucose stored as glycogen. It can release that glycogen store through gluconeogenesis as glucose back into the bloodstream. Muscles, it only goes one way. Muscles can take it in and then burn it up, but they, uh, muscles don't excrete uh, glycogen or glucose back into the bloodstream. Yeah. So that, that's, <laughs> that's correct. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just geeking out on this. It's just fascinating to me that with these glucose graphs and all these different activities, you're just getting a window into how your body's metabolism is responding to not just food, but also exercise. And I should mention stress. We talked about this in a previous episode, but stress can cause a glycogen spike. 
or a glucose spike uh, as the liver releases the glycogen into the bloodstream. So it's kind of the response to a fight or flight situation where um, I know before a really important presentation, sometimes my glucose will spike up and that's without having uh, had anything to, to eat in, in like two hours prior. And I know it's just my body kind of fueling up to respond to a specific situation, right? Yeah. And this is something that is so important. You know, just anyone listening to this podcast, I mean, we always tend to focus on the food and exercise and we always put stress on the back burner. You know, it's okay. We've, we've just come, you know, we're used to this everyday, all these everyday stressors is just being the new norm. And we may feel like extremely stressed, but we think we may handle it well, but you know, our bodies are not handling it well. And we see this and we see this immediately, like with our, with our glucose, um, stress, you know, with that cortisol that, you know, it promotes a higher glucose levels. So you have that fight or flight response and cortisol increases glucose levels. But what happens is like we're sitting at a desk or we're, you know, traveling or we're driving to pick up our kids and, you know, we're not actually using those muscles to, you know, take in that, like that glucose. So what happens is, you know, we're noticing our blood sugar levels increasing and, um, you know, it can cause a lot of damage. And when we think about, Um, just, you know, even when we're eating the same meals, think about how you eat your lunch today. Maybe you're working from home, maybe you're in a relaxed environment, but maybe you eat that same meal on another day, like during a busy day at work and you have a lot of stress, you can have completely different responses to that exact same meal just due to stress alone. So it's really important to kind of focus on, you know, incorporating stress management techniques because that stress can really affect our blood sugar levels. Absolutely. And a tip for our Cygnos members, you can use uh, Cygnos not just as a window into your metabolism, but it's a great window into your stress levels. So a little suggestion for everyone is next time uh, you're feeling stressed and you're on Cygnos, take a look at your glucose graph and see what your glucose graph is doing. It's a great way to establish a mind-body connection and start to see what happens internally in your body and in your body's metabolism when you're under greater stress. I know another example, just recently I had some deadline pressures and I was really working hard to get a bunch of things done on time. And I just happened to look at my glucose graph and saw my numbers creeping up to north of where I usually expect them to be. And having been on this for over two years, I'm pretty good at predicting where my glucose is going to be at any moment. But I was surprised by that. And it was great just to make the connection by looking at it and understanding, okay, this is my body kind of fueling up for something. This is probably a sign for me to pay a little bit more attention to to managing my stress. And then noticing what happens when I did a quick breathing exercise or meditation session to alleviate that stress and see my glucose come back down again. So I think there's a lot of benefits to be had from using our tool, not just for the spikes that occur with food, but also to look at it as a way of, of managing stress. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, the meditation, the deep breathing, you know, that those that works, you know, anything that's a stress relieving activity for you, do it, you know, whether it's journaling or getting outside in nature, deep breathing, meditation, all these can be incorporated to our lifestyles. Um, and really thinking about like stress, not just from, you know, a 
a deadline coming up or, you know, family work, financial, all these stressors, but other things stress the body, such as like being dehydrated or, you know, being deficient in nutrients. These are also stressors on the body. So, you know, making sure that we're drinking enough water throughout the day. So our bodies aren't stressed from that. Yeah, absolutely. I want to mention also one of our members asked, and this is a member specific question in, uh, in Cygnos, they wanted to know if we're going to be working on identifying, um, exercise related spikes versus, um, spikes related to food. And I did talk to our product team and we are in fact working on that. So expect to see that in a future release. Yeah. Awesome. Well, one other thing that I wanted to mention, like going back to, you know, the good spikes versus the bad spikes. Um, and again, this is, you know, really important because we don't want our members to be like scared of eating any type of real food, but a lot of times we see a spike to eating something like a fruit or a vegetable. And, um, you know, you may see those spikes and that's okay. Cause that's not the same thing as eating, you know, something extremely processed that's going to be, you know, pretty inflammatory and provide zero nutrition. You know, these real whole foods, they contain nutrients, they contain fiber, which you know, really is good for your gut. It helps strengthen that microbiome. It can help maintain your weight. Um, but you can use the CGM and see how you're responding, responding to that food. So let's say it's a piece of fruit. Um, you may notice that you spike. So let's say you have like a spike and you want to help mitigate that spike with that fruit. Um, let's say you're having a higher spike with that. Well, there's, you know, it's not saying that you can't ever, ever have that fruit again, but we're, you know, we want to incorporate some ways to help kind of mitigate that spike to where, you know, we're not spiking as high, or maybe it's not taking such a long time to come down. So that's where we want to, you know, try incorporating, you know, pairing that fruit with something, making sure, you know, you're not just eating that carb alone, but pairing it with, you know, whether it's vegetables or with protein and a healthy fat to where that, you know, you're not having that fruit alone and it's balanced to help stabilize your blood sugar. Or maybe you try eating it earlier in the day where you're more, you know, insulin sensitive or, you know, around the time of the workout, like we mentioned earlier, you know, this is kind of like where you want to experiment um, to not ever, uh, you know, not to, not to have to avoid carbs forever, but really finding your own personal tolerance and see which foods you respond well to. Because, you know, it is a normal response to eat a carb and see your blood sugar levels rise. That's just how we're breaking down and digesting food and metabolizing food. We just don't want to have that really high spike or, you know, that spike that takes a long time to come down. So if we're seeing that with a real food, then you can try those tips to, you know, help mitigate that spike. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that because you know, I, I do every once in a while see a discussion within our our Facebook group where people are, are specifically avoiding fruits and fruits in general are good because they contain so many nutrients. They contain a lot of fiber, um, most fruits, and it's different than getting a spike from an added sugar or, you know, um, a refined carbohydrate that you're actually getting a lot of benefits. So we don't want you to avoid fruit, but rather think about um, whole foods. As Alyssa said, think about pairing your uh, fruit with something else, I specifically will have bananas sometimes with uh, almond butter or peanut butter, just to add a little bit of protein and fat. 
uh, helps a lot. If you're like that, uh, the second question that we got, somebody who said, I, I exercise, I can eat anything. Hey, great time to have a piece of fruit. Okay. If you're not spiking from it, great. Your body needs to restore some of that sugar it burned off. So have the banana at that point. But I think that's an excellent question. We only have a few more questions before I have to let Alyssa go because she's very, very busy. I wanted to ask you uh, about this question that was submitted in the group. So someone said, should I worry if my glucose is steady but around 100 milligrams per deciliter all day? And how can you lower your glucose over time? Uh, Yeah, that is a great question. Um, So really diving into that, you know, is it better to be, you know, kind of steady or, you know, your glucose bouncing up and down? So I would say, yes, it's better to be, you know, your glucose steady around a hundred all day, um, versus let's say that's okay. Versus, you know, if you are, let's say baselining or, you know, around 85, but your blood sugar is bouncing, you know, between like 70 and 140, like the entire day. Um, so, I would say having a more steady blood sugar is going to be the way to go. Um, You know, we're really aiming for those steady rises and falls, um, you know, those rounder curves and flatter lines. You know, that's ideally a less noisy graph where you see, you know, a ton of peaks and valleys. So I would say that is, you know, totally fine to have, you know, your blood sugar stable all day. But you know, there are some steps that you can take to kind of lower that baseline glucose. And um, what I do recommend is, you know, when you first start using Cygnos and you put the CGM on, just take that first week and, you know, see where your glucose is, see how you respond to your activities of daily life, your foods that you eat all the time. And then you can choose, you know, what to start with and one thing to focus on, you know, making it really simple and not this huge overhaul. You know, that's where we get into problems and that's where we like may constantly fail because it's not setting us up for success when we're trying to fix a hundred things at once, you know, so maybe choose one thing to work on. And, the great thing about this is that there are so many things that you can do to help, um, you know, bring those glucose levels down over time. When we talk about food, you know, eating real foods, eating whole foods, balancing your meals with proteins, fats, and carbs, um, especially focusing on that at breakfast time. So, you know, if you're starting your morning with a, let's say, cereal and milk and orange juice and you're seeing a huge spike, maybe you just start working on your breakfast and start, you know, balancing that with, you know, more whole food, uh, whole foods and a balanced meal to help stabilize your glucose and set you up for success for the day. Because if you start with that spike, you'll be on the blood sugar roller coaster. Um, that's not what we want to be on. Maybe. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry I cut you off. What no, were you going to say? Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, so at 100, I just want to respond to this a little bit. Because at, at 100, if you're at 100 all day, you are right on the line of being pre-diabetic. And I agree, you don't want to have these massive peaks and valleys, and it's better to be stable than not. But what I've found, and I'm just going to speak anecdotally in terms of my own data, is that I was, when I started on Cygnos, my fasting blood glucose was, I think, 98. And I was in that camp of of getting it to a steady high 90s. But I think what happens, and what a lot of our members report, is that as you pay attention to things like mitigating the spikes eating well, eating more whole foods, exercising, getting some movement in your day, what you're going to find is that 
average that you're at all day is going to get lower and lower and lower. So now, you know, speaking a while out using Cygnos, my uh, fasting glucose is in the low 80s. So it's much different. And I also don't have those massive spikes. So I don't think it's an either or. Should I do this or that? I think it's avoid the spikes. And if you eat whole foods, work some movement, some stress management in your day, you're going to see that number, that flat line lower over time to something that's uh, in, in more of a healthy range. Yeah, exactly. And you've already seen, you know, the benefits of incorporating these, you know, daily, just small steps to make these habits. And you see your fasting glucose, you know, coming down. I mean, we say we want fasting glucose less than 100, but, you know, that target is really between that 72 72 and 90 milligrams per deciliter. So there's always like some improvement that you can see if, you know, even if you're not technically in that pre-diabetic range, but really working on getting those levels down. Um, you know, even reducing snacking or just chewing your food slowly and eating in that rest and digest mode or making sure we're kind of fasting overnight, um, you know, where we're not constantly eating um, or, you know, making sure we're stopping eating dinner when it's light outside to where we can like, you know, really melatonin, cortisol can go down, melatonin can come out at night and we can really get into a good night's sleep. Um, because other, besides nutrition, the stress that we mentioned, um, working on, you know, deep breathing or meditation, but also sleep. Sleep is so important. You know, poor sleep impacts, you know, our glucose levels and our fasting levels first thing in the morning. And, you know, making sure that we're really focusing on quality sleep, maybe exposing yourself to sunlight first thing in the morning and avoiding staring into that, you know, blue light a couple hours before bed, you know, being consistent with our bedtime routine and making sure our room is dark and cool. And, you know, we're getting just at least seven hours of that quality sleep, you know, uninterrupted sleep. And then other things like you mentioned, that daily activity, that exercise, walking after a meal, you know, even just 10 minutes. And this is something that you can get the notification like directly in the app when you see an instant spike um, that can really help. And just moving during the day, you know, besides exercise, you know, we all know the benefits of exercise. But, you know, if we're sitting behind a desk all day and we're not moving and then we hit the Peloton for 30 minutes, you're still you're still classified as being sedentary, you know, making sure we're getting up every, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, moving two to five minutes, getting up, walking around, um, that daily activity is really important. Absolutely. Well, that's about as much time as we have. So Alyssa, I want to thank you so much for being on Body Signals, such an illuminating episode and such a great AMA. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Body Signals. We hope you enjoyed this show. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to Body Signals on your favorite podcast platform. We have a special offer for Body Signal listeners, a 20% discount on Signos. Just go to Signos.com, pick out your plan, and get a CGM in the mail to connect your body in a whole new way. During checkout, you can use the code BODYSIGNALS, that's one word, no spaces, BODYSIGNALS, to get your discount. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.